Good afternoon, everybody. Great to see you. Um, it's really nice being being here. I can't say being back here. This is one of my first times being here. But Steve, Steve was mentioning a little earlier that there's a sense of like homecoming being here in this room, and uh, I think that's that's awesome. I think another part of just wow, it feels like home again is because. The legendary Ezra Miller is back. I cannot tell you my joy that when I got back home today, I opened up the door, I walked up the stairs, Ezra, chilling on the couch. That is a blessing. Ezra, you're a hero. We love having you back here. And we're excited to see what you do this September, going going back over there. Um, Welcome, everybody, for those who are, are joining us here, for those who are listening to this recording welcome as well whenever you listen to this um, my name is Connor Grimm uh, I have just moved up here almost a year ago August 1st will mark my anniversary um, to to some very accommodating people in this room I'll be nine years to being a Mainer to some very unaccommodating people in this room that will always be a dream of mine to never be realized but uh, yeah so uh, I just got back from Providence, Rhode Island. I spent kind of the week, the week there. Um, it's totally, totally great to, to, to be back. I was, I was a little, you know, feeling a little under the weather last week, so it feels like I've gone a week without seeing you guys. So definitely it's refreshing to be here. But um, when I was in Rhode Island, uh, it was kind of an assignment for this, this school that I'm a part of, this training program called the New England School of Missions. And um, part of it is just all about training to become a, a missionary, whether domestic or international, just learning how to strategize and help people find Jesus, help build a community of faithful people anywhere in the world. And part of that uh, curriculum was getting sent out to kind of like a recent church planting, like a frontier type church. And so I guess my professor for, you know, I'm going to use that term. I told him, I was like, hey. Guess where I live? I live on the frontier. And I'm joined by all my brothers and sisters on the frontier. And he says, that doesn't count. Okay. So they sent me to Providence. Providence was planted about eight years ago. So kind of our, our junior church there. And um, it, was, it, was, you know, it was a really great experience. Uh, I, I got to see a lot of different people in action, learn a little bit about a different culture. I'd never been to Rhode Island before. The fact that it was all almost a mainland was kind of kind of disappointing, but you know it's still a great place. Um, but all my all my time there, uh, I, I I had this nagging feeling being around uh, different school admissions classmates. I got to hang out with Jimmy and Anita Allen. Some of you may be familiar with that couple there. Uh, just you know, great great teachers, long history of, of you know helping build the kingdom. I was also there with Stephen Alexis Schnell. Some of you might also be familiar with them. But uh, I had this nagging feeling, kind of the, a lot of the time that I was there, that would always come in my mind. I definitely found myself comparing, to, comparing myself to people who were on the trip. Uh, I was by far the newest to kind of, you know, like serving, serving a church there. Um, you know, I was really, really, and still am really new to the school of missions. I'm also definitely fresh to New England. So um, it was definitely, I, I felt a lot of... I don't know, just I'm less experienced than, than the people that I'm with. Um, I recognize that feeling as something that I even, you know, I felt in the past for sure. When Steve invited me up to come and, you know, and serve here and move to Maine, it was a feeling that I felt. Um, I recognize it sometimes when I'm out on campus and, and, you know, I'm sharing with people, talking to 
uh, students that I've never met before about, about faith. Uh, it's even something that kind of, you know, thought that ca- like crept in, uh, you know, this weekend and even today before I came up here, like as I'm preparing to share and talk to you guys. And that feeling is, is a question that I can put like, am I qualified to do this? Am I qualified to, you know, to get up and share, share my thoughts and some scripture on, on a Sunday? Am I qualified to be on campus and try to have deep conversations with random people I've never met before? Am I, am I qualified to move to Maine? Um, you, know, the, you know, the two campus ministers that I had known before I moved up were Steve LaFrance and Lake Lewu, both who had been disciples for over a decade, who've been serving faithfully for such a long time. And I was like, I am definitely not that. Uh, I, I would stack myself up against them. So this, this kind of feeling of being, of being qualified um, is something that I've, I've struggled with, uh, you know, kind of ever since becoming a disciple. And I think that's a little bit, you know, indicative of, of culture in a way. You know, one of, one of the stones that America's foundations have built upon is this idea of qualification or being qualified. You know, high school students loading up on AP classes, dual enrollment to try to get as much college, college credit, make sure the, uh, you know, the resume of the college application looks great. Um, you know, parents reading every single how-to book they can get their hands on before that first child pops out. Usually changes by child number two, you know, we have a little, we have a little more of an understanding there. Pops out, let's go. Um, or even, you know, you're getting, getting a new job or getting a promotion at your job. Uh, and you kind of feel like a fish out of water. You feel like, oh, am I even qualified to take this next, next step? And now, don't get me wrong. I, I think being qualified is a great thing. I like my doctors qualified. Yes. I would hope everybody teaching other Mainers how to drive are qualified. Uh, I, I, I really appreciate people being qualified. But we have to be self-aware and cautious enough to ensure that this strong emphasis on qualification doesn't bleed into our spiritual lives. It doesn't bleed into how we view our relationships with God. And I say that out of a point of weakness. You know, I, I just briefly mentioned some of the things that I've struggled with, but it started from day one for me. Insecurity uh, about my baptism. You know, I've been studying the Bible for three months and we're getting to the conversation of, okay, like, do you, do you want to commit to this, to this kind of life? Do you want to make the commitment? And in my heart, I totally did. I was like, yes, I definitely want to make this decision. But I really have only read the book of Matthew for myself. This book is pretty thick. I've never finished uh, a, you know, a book outside of like, you know, like an English class in my entire life. I don't know if I'm ready. Or I, you know, I see you guys sharing like, your faith on campus, and that petrifies me. I don't know if I'm ready for this. I don't know. Um, so from day one, I kind of had this feeling of, man, am I, am I qualified to, to have a relationship with God? And that's, that's evolved as different doors have opened and closed in my life spiritually. You know, for those who, who fight this feeling of, of being unqualified, who, who struggles with this, um, you know, when it comes to, to initially start seeking God, am I qualified to even approach, approach the Bible or approach these other people who are, who are you know, Christians? Um, you know, people who feel unqualified when it comes time to like dream up ways to serve the community, when it comes time to share your faith with, with a neighbor or coworker, campus student, or even, you know, when it comes time to have deep, faithful conversations with family members. Um, for those who have this feeling of, of being unqualified or who struggle with this, the thought crosses their mind, God is the good news for you. 
You know, we're going to look at a story in, in Scripture about a special man in, in the Old Testament who was, when God sought him out, he was absolutely nothing special on the outside. Um, the passage we'll read starts this long story of this person who grew remarkably close to God and was able to accomplish great, great victories for his community. He was a person who, um, you, know, you, know, you know, he was able to do these things, but he was also a person who fell flat in his commitment to living a holy life, yet was never abandoned by God, and he never abandoned God. And so we're going to start in 1 Samuel 16 with a man I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with. To give you some context, if you're not so familiar with, with this story, um, we pick up 1 Samuel 16 in kind of the story of ancient Israel, so way back in time. And there's this guy named Saul, and he was the, the nation of Israel's first ever king. Uh, as king, you know, he, he started off pretty well, but he started, uh, you know, walking in step with God, but ended up rejecting God's partnership with him. Now, Samuel, who the, kind of the book is named after, Samuel was the prophet who kind of christened Saul as king of Israel. He anointed him. Uh, Samuel had to cut Saul off, essentially, because of Saul uh, just kind of abandoning this partnership with God. And uh, Samuel was torn up inside. And so we're going to pick up in verse 1. Uh, we're going to see God speaking to Samuel. Uh, we're going to read through verse 10 to start off with. So I'll read. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Jesse of Portland. Uh, I've come, I, or I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. Samuel did, oh, sorry, I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So we'll, we'll pause right here and kind of evaluate what's going on. So God tells Samuel, Samuel, it's time to quit your mourning. Uh, you're going to go and you're going to go find the next king of Israel. We're going to find this this person who needs to lead with strength, lead with courage. We need to find a warrior king. We have to find somebody to look for the king of Israel. So, and God gives Samuel a bit of direction. He says, go and seek this brother out at Bethlehem. So he goes. And he finds him. He finds Jesse. They get consecrated. And Samuel starts 
uh, assessing each one of his sons. So he sees Eliab, and I feel like Eliab probably looks something like Nick Connor, you know, big, <laughs> tall, warrior king material right there. Um, man, that's, that, that's the guy who can lead this nation, crush our enemies, lead with boldness and courage, all that stuff. Um, looks at that first son, but God says something very special in response to Samuel. He says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Um, people look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. For those who have to have had, like, you know, submitted resumes to universities or jobs, if you ever try to put, I'm a people person on your resume, or hard worker down by miscellaneous skills, or eager learner, uh, all the advice I got through college was to only put the stuff that you had recorded proof of. Only the stuff that, uh, you, know, you know, there were records of or things that people could look at and analyze. And God tells Samuel here that it isn't what's on the resume or how one of the sons would look that would qualify him to be this king of Israel. Rather, the, the attitudes of the heart is what God was assessing. So not so much, man, I have, I have some incredible pectoral muscles, or man, I can run really, really fast, or man, my beard is almost as big as Ezra's. Those weren't the qualifications. God was looking at, at the heart. And so Sam, you know, so Jesse's like, okay, well, if it's not this guy, it's, you know, it's got to be son number two. Sam was like, no, it's not son number two. You know, it's not even son three through seven. And Samuel then picks up and in verse 11, he asks Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? Jesse replied, oh, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He, this, 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 this youngest son that was out there, he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Come on, youngest son. Uh, then the Lord said to him, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. So the question is, what qualified David in God's eyes here? Uh, and we can look at this passage and we can kind of look at what's given to us, but it, you know, it isn't really obvious. There's not a lot that necessarily separates him from, from the others. And in fact, you know, we, we learn that David's a little gifted in, in both departments. You know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of health. You know, he's, he, he's a fine, handsome man. He's glowing. Um, but it isn't really obvious to us what exactly are David's qualifications here. Uh, at this point, David was only just the youngest son in a big family. Not even important enough for dad to, you know, to bring him in with the rest of his sons yeah. to meet this traveling prophet. Uh, but what wasn't obvious to us, what isn't obvious to us as we read this, is obvious to God. Uh, granted, yeah, again, David was blessed in both departments. And you can't hate on him for that. But before David had done anything, before he could get an opportunity to, to be shown off to Samuel by his father... And before he grew into this kid who slayed Goliath, before he, he became king and spared the lives of people who were trying to kill him, God knew the attitudes of his heart. Even though it didn't seem like he was qualified for an anointing from a prophet. That's kind of this point is, 
being unqualified to God. Again, this I, I can I can kind of see see a little bit of David in my story of, of of my baptism. I was totally unqualified to have a relationship with God. Again, only had just finished Matthew around month three. Of, 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 of reading the Bible with people. Uh, I'd never shared my faith with anyone. Uh, I had so much yet to still learn about the life that I was kind of, kind of being called to, about learning what living a godly life looked like. I, I was totally unqualified to call myself a Christian. Definitely wasn't, wasn't, wasn't living a lot of that life. But my heart was there. And yet the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, and, and I was kind of doing the same. You know, if you were to come to me and say, oh, are you, like, are you ready to, to really follow God, really, really devote your life and call yourself a Christian? Um, if you were looking at me on the day-to-day back in November 2018, you'd be like, ooh, you have so much work to do. You have so much to change about your life. Uh, but the Lord looks at the heart, and the Lord saw my heart in that moment. It's true. It really is true, and I fully believe it, as Paul writes in the book of Romans in chapter 5, that just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anybody die for a righteous person, though. For a good person, someone might dare to die, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And reading that, I realized... My qualifications, what, you know, whatever they may look to somebody else, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I, at my most unqualified place, Jesus gave me the greatest gift that I will ever receive. Mm-hmm. Learning about what God desired for my life and how I would live in a way that was pleasing to him totally changed my heart. Nothing about my qualifications changed the day that I was saved, yet God still chose to save me. God still chose to forgive me. And that's something that I always have to keep in mind. God empowering me through his forgiveness. Even though on the outside I was unqualified and unworthy of that forgiveness, it's always something I've, I've got to keep on my mind when I feel unqualified today. So those times when I was in Rhode Island and I was like, oh man, Steve Schnell is so good at sharing his faith. Or the Arsenals, man, power couple. Uh, studying in Nesson. They're really good at telling people what Bible talk is all about. Um, even though I know, wow, it doesn't matter necessarily my, you know, I, I, you know, like my earthly qualifications. I, you know, I didn't have to submit a resume to go to Providence, Rhode Island. My heart was there. And so whether it's having tough conversations with a brother or a sister or somebody in your family, whether it's talking to a complete stranger or close family about what, uh, what I believe could change their life. Whether it was standing, kind of standing before you guys like I've got something important to say. Uh, I always have to remember that God uses the unqualified to do powerful things that will change the community. That's totally the story of David. And what's really encouraging about the story of David is that we have a whole like 39 next chapters <laughs> to look about, man, okay, let's see how David's heart was you know you know expressed but really uh chapter 16 is a starting point for david this is david's starting point um and i want so bad for for everybody in this room to really believe that you are ready to start 
whatever that looks like for you. You know, those, those ambitions that you've shied away from because the dreams are just really, really bold dreams and you don't know if you could quite, quite get there. That's something I can personally uh, uh, relate to all throughout 2020, that COVID year. I was thinking about, man, like I, I want to do some type of missionary work. I want to maybe go like live in France. But every time that would come up, I would shy away from that. Those are just too, too bold. And I, and I didn't know French, and I was super unwise spiritually at that point. I thought um, I was definitely not allowed to dream those dreams. But those ambitions that you've shied away from, the, the relationship with God that you feel like you don't deserve until somehow, way, you re-earn that trust with God. Maybe if I have three or four perfect days, then I'll pray and God will hear me, or, or then I'll feel validated to go back to the scriptures. Um, Maybe, maybe it's those uh, faithful, life-changing conversations that uh, for you haven't happened yet because you don't feel like you know enough to, to open your mouth. Uh, today, if you want to, you are ready to start in those things. Uh, Paul, in his first letter to Timothy, attributes Jesus as the source of his strength and his efficacy as an apostle. You know, Jesus was that strength for him. For those who are, have an intimate story or uh, have an intimate knowledge of the story of Paul, you know how, how crazy that sounds. For those who aren't, Paul started out as someone who persecuted and, and kind of co-signed killing Christians, kind of you know, the, very, the very early church he persecuted. And for him to claim that Jesus was the source of his strength and his efficacy as an apostle, as someone who was sent out, is he's totally acknowledging that he started from a totally unqualified place to even get to know Jesus, much, much less be able to work in powerful ways. The question is, how do we start? You know, today, if you want to, you are ready to start, but how, how do we take that first step into that spiritual dream, into that tough conversation, um, into these life-changing things that you feel like, man, there's, there's a lot of gap that I have to make up to get there. I think there are three things that we can kind of look back uh, to David at to get a source of inspiration for how we start these things. And the first is to connect with God. That's a bold statement. Connect with God. You know, some of the most intimate scripture that we have access to is courtesy of David, who in writing much of the book of Psalms, he models the kind of like emotional and, and spiritual reliance and, and, and intimacy um, and communication that we need to have our hearts be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the type of emotions that he was sharing with God, the type of success he would attribute to God, and the type of despair that he would beg God to pull him out of, that is so key in getting our hearts right. We see that David anal- or that God analyzed the heart. Um, it says that people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Uh, you know, even the Apostle James asserts that putting effort in drawing near to God is essential for that heart to turn to a right place, to, for that heart to turn to God instead of rejecting partnership with Him. Getting your heart right is so, so important to getting your start right. Uh, what enables us to do this, to connect with God, is this kind of grace that he gives us. You know, none of us necessarily qualify to be able to connect with God. And I'm sure many of us can, you know, have felt that way before. I don't qualify to have this prayer time. I don't qualify to have forgiveness or 
I'm qualified to be a part of the Casco Bay Church of Christ. Look at all these people doing spiritual things. And I'm kind of just, you know, posted up in my room with a headache, not doing much. That was me on Sunday while you guys were all here fellowshipping. Um, that was something that even I felt. But Paul remarks in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that grace was the, the foundation for that sort of strength. You know, any preparedness that he had, he attributed to the grace of God. That he was able to overcome these things. And so, what, maybe some practicals to, to connect with God. I think there are three things that I've really fallen in love with in my time up in Portland. And prayer has been a huge one, especially January. I've got to attribute uh, a lot of that, just, I don't know, re, re-energizing of my prayer life to Steve and, and Fred for just some of the awesome lessons that they've been leading on Sundays and midweeks and just been falling in so much in love with prayer again. Um, reading scripture is essential for you to learn about God. If you want to learn, okay, well, you know, how does God feel about this certain thing? Or how does God want me to treat this person? How does God want me to treat the people in this room and the people outside of this room? Connecting with God, establishing that connection also hinges on reading scripture. And then something that has totally, totally blown my mind coming up from Florida to Maine is nature. I think being able to connect with God in nature, getting to just sit out on Eastern prom, watching the waves, looking at all the different islands, we have such a resource in the outside here in Maine. And I know it's going to get tricky these next couple weeks as we go into August. We maybe hit some 90-degree days. Nature may not seem the most inviting, but that is a prime way that we here in Maine, we've got a privilege to be able to connect with God in that way. So I think number one in, in trying to like, how do, how do I start bridging this gap? I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm unqualified, but how do I start is to connect with God. Second practical for you guys is to connect with Jonathan. Who is Jonathan? And why do I have to go seek Jonathan out? Well, we learn about David in the next 39 chapters of, of his story that's recorded in the Bible over First and Second Samuel. Uh, we get to see a lot of his life. And one of the most important people to David was Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was his ride or die. Uh, the friend who supported Jonathan through, or the friend who supported David through intense scenarios, who who made it his mission to to encourage and reassure David when David was confused or lost. We wouldn't get to know David as king, David as the psalmist, David as the man after God's own heart, without the support of Jonathan. I firmly believe that there are some situations David would not have made it out of without his Jonathan. And so that's my question for you guys. Who is who's your Jonathan? Who do you have that's your ride or die? That person who's ready to throw down and support you. The person uh, who's ready to spur you on to, to connect with God. The person who, when you share your anxieties with them, your doubts with them, your struggles, that they listen to you, that they reassure you. That there's someone who's ready to walk with you. you know, who helps you reach your goals? your spiritual goals, your goals at work, your goals at school. Who is your Jonathan? I want you guys, if you, if you don't know, to try and find that person. You, know, you can look all around this room and all your potential Jonathans sitting by your shoulders, sitting behind you, in front of you. The good news is you don't have to pick just one. We have so many, so many great people, so many great Jonathans in this room. But find that person. You know, how do I get started? Steve was definitely 
was and for sure is definitely that person for me again. I can kind of share, share a bit about coming up to Maine. I remember I drew up on a Google document uh, a list of all my weaknesses and all my strengths. I like titled them out. I was like, okay, well, undisciplined, ooh, lazy, ooh, but uh, relational, or I got, I got that Miami hype. I drew up my strengths and my weaknesses. There were, there were, there were a little more weaknesses than there were strengths. And, and I think I, I submitted that knowing, man, Steve's going to read this and he's going to make his choice. Steve already knew my heart at that point. And Steve was able to reassure me in such a way. I was like, man, my weaknesses are what they are. My strengths are what they are into God's glory. Yep. I'm coming up to Maine. And you guys now have me with all my weaknesses, <laughs> with all my strengths. I hope it's going to benefit. But um, find your Jonathan. Find that person who's going to reassure you when you want to pursue this dream like, like I wanted to pursue doing some kind of missionary work. But leave it up to me. I was going to ask Steve for like three, four more years so that I could become qualified. So I could have a certain amount of impact in Miami before I came up to Maine. Steve knew my heart. God knew my heart. And Steve was able to reassure me in that way. So connect with God. Connect with Jonathan. And my third point is to make it connect. You know, as a community, as a community here, we want to do two things. We want to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Those deep spiritual conversations that we're going to have with one another. Uh, those serving opportunities that we're going to invite each other along. or um, I'm, I'm super proud of Lincoln for what he's doing and try to just arrange uh, an environment for us to serve our community. Um, all these different things, you know, uh, a level of consistent spiritual growth that maybe you've never had. You know, we're, we're here to spur one another on and support each other to achieve those things. However, we also have to remind each other that the only thing that qualifies us to do these things is God. And that's something that's super encouraging because that's something that, we, that isn't given to us based off of how spiritual we are in one particular day or not. Um, God doesn't look at, at what humans look at. He judges the heart. I don't have to get a degree in social work to join Lincoln in serving the elderly. You know, I don't, I mean, prayerfully, this is a great blessing. I don't have to pay you any tuition to, uh, to join Anna on reaching out uh, on her campus to students there. Amen. You know, there's, God doesn't look at what humans look at. He judges the heart. We live, live, we live our lives in community for sure, but ultimately we live our lives for an audience of one. And we gotta do our best to remind each other of that. If I'm worried about a bigger audience than one, impressing uh, Steve LaFrance, impressing my roommates, impressing the people that I met down in Rhode Island, I'm always going to be reminded about how unqualified I am. I'm always going to find some way that this person is just a little better in public speaking than I am. I'm always going to find a way, oh, this person is much better in communication than I am. Man, I'm totally unqualified to serve people in that way. Um, God doesn't look at what humans look at. He judges the heart. So I want us to really reflect on this story of David and think about, okay, well, if there are any things that you know, have been kind of You've been a little apprehensive about approaching, about starting, ideas about sharing that maybe you don't feel like you're the right one to share that idea. Maybe you're not the right one to, to suggest a serving opportunity or to do these, you know, these things that you've kind of been dreaming of. I want you guys to connect with God, to, to find your Jonathan here in this room at home, uh, across Portland. Maybe you, have, maybe you have a Jonathan over Zoom that you get with. 
Amen for uh, 2021, 2022. Let's go. Um, and I want you guys to make it, make it connect, man. Connect to this uh, uh, idea that, okay, like, I'm unqualified and I'm ready to start. Um, I'm going to break up just with a discussion question, a reflection question that we're going to get into maybe groups of two or three. Or if you're really feeling just, man, I want to have some fire-up discussion, maybe four. Um, I want us to break up for maybe five to ten minutes with this question. You know, God looked at David's heart and saw a man after his own heart. What would God say about your heart in this season and why? So we're going to break up into groups of two, three, or four and just share for about maybe five, five to ten minutes. Yeah. Thank you. 